expressed on the following broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of KHLT, Take 12 Radio, or our affiliates. The opinions on this show should not be considered as medical, psychological, or professional advice and are those of the host, co-host, and guest. Take 12 Radio and KHLT Recovery Broadcasting are not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. Welcome to Entitled to Overcome, Exploring Solutions for Life Today, a presentation of Take 12 Recovery Radio. And now, here are your co-hosts, Dave Fleming and the Monty Man. Sing it, Dave. Overcome. That's vid. Overcome. Singing one word. Well, welcome to Entitled to Overcome, Solutions for Life. When, Dave? Today. Today, yay, yay. It's good to have you with us. Uh, As many of you know, our scheduling has kind of changed up a bit. So the first Monday of the month, we have the Victory Report with uh, Arizona Teen Challenge, uh, the men and women sharing their experience, strength, and hope, and how they uh, have overcome life-controlling issues through the power of God. On the second Monday of the month, we have The Great Reality with Tony, Denver, Marv, and myself. <laughs> yes, and that's always a hoot. Hoot, hoot. <laughs> and then the third Monday of the month is The Vid. Mr. Dave Fleming, certified alcohol and drug counselor level two. Just certified. <laughs> and very certifiable. As he uh, sits directly across from me in the studio. This is the third Friday or Monday already? This is the third Monday. Wow. Yeah, can you believe that? Yeah, it's only the 15th. Two weeks ago, I turned 63. Just two weeks ago, I was a young man. Now I'm... You're just old. I just... Old as dirt. Crested over the top of the the hill. Uh, I had a a birthday last week. (laughs) Did you really? Yeah. You had a birthday last week? Did I send you happy birthday on my, Facebook? My recovery birthday. Oh, that's right. You did have that. And I did say happy yeah, birthday. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. And and I, I, I'm i sorry I didn't, haven't got a chance to get on there and thank everybody. Um, especially you. I mean, you put that nice little... Little cartoon. Cartoony thing on there. And right. It was, uh, I was very touched. Yeah. yeah. It meant a lot to yeah, me. You are touched. That's why you're certifiable. Yeah, I thought that's why <laughs> we came here, right? For is this is this the counseling session? This, this is, this is. <clears throat> so, how did you feel about your horse when uh, growing up? Well, I, I, you know, I, when he knocked me off, and and, <laughs> and I had a, still have a scar on my forehead. Yeah, um, but I had to. Get back on the horse, you know. So you didn't have a horse resentment? <clears throat> or a cow resentment? I, I don't think so. <laughs> but oh my, my memory is kind of spotty. Did you, did, you, did you hear something? No. What? I hear a squeak. Second. Oh, okay. I was just wondering, you know, my past came to ah. visit me for some reason. No, no. No, I just wonder how you felt about your horse. I didn't even know if you had a horse. <sighs> I thought that was probably less personal than how'd you feel about the way your mother raised you? <laughs> well, how much time do you get? Uh, I feel okay now. 
Oh, my goodness. So welcome, everybody. Uh, I want to say a special thank you to one of our major, major sponsors, Patrick LeBeau. Uh, Patrick. Uh, hey, Patrick. Sent us uh, a couple times a year. He sends us a, a pretty hefty donation. And uh, between him and particularly one other guy and then a, then a, a, a small handful of, of folks that do a monthly pledge kind of thing, uh, we're able to keep doing this. And so, Patrick, uh, thank you so very much. Uh, at some point, he's going to be up here um, traveling this way, and, and we'll make sure that he gets on, on one of our shows. So, Patrick, thank you so much. If you'd like to donate to keep Take 12 Recovery Radio on the air, you simply go to take12radio.com and scroll down to the bottom of the page and click on the Donate button. And it'll take you to a page. It tells you how to write a check, how to do a money order, how to do credit card, all that kind of stuff, if that's something you feel strongly about. There. Yeah, got that, that out of the way. That, that'd be great. I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to donate, too. Because, you know, someday soon I'd like to be able to get our our video feed up and running. And then you would be the vid. The video. <laughs> oh! I, I like what you did there. Yeah. You like that? <clears throat> well, um, this episode of... Um, do you know why they call me vid? Yeah, because it's the last part of day. <laughs> Vid. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Uh, on this episode of Entitled to Overcome, Solutions for Life today with uh, Mr. Dave Vid of Fleming. We're going to be talking about complacency. Uh-oh. So I, I have a question, Dave, for everybody out there before we get to our icebreaker. Mm-hmm. Have you become, maybe unaware of it even, Complacent in your recovery to where? Well, if you're, if I'm unaware, how can I answer the question yes or no? Well, maybe me asking that will shake something loose, <laughs> a marble or two. <laughs> Have you just gotten? I don't into think the, there's anything left up in there to shake around. Not much, but but sometimes we can get into a pattern in our recovery process, uh, and, and I'm speaking to those people that are actually in recovery now, um, but. We can be complacent in life. I mean, in, in any aspect of life, we really can. But we can get into a pattern of, okay, I go to my weekly meeting or maybe a couple times a week. I, I drink coffee and I talk about my day. And and we can get comfortable. And, there, boy, there's nothing wrong with that. If if you've been going to meetings and you still are, don't stop. Um, but sometimes – or we can be, end up working with people and never fellowshipping in the meetings and never going back. Or – we can be doing none of that because we think we got it. And so we're not accountable to anybody, a spiritual advisor, well, a what, mentor, or anybody. I guess the question should be what what uh, quantifies complacency. Sure. Or not or or complacent. Being complacent in yeah. recovery. So we're gonna be talking about that here in just a couple of seconds, right, Dave? That's right, Monty. All right, Dave. Uh, but first, I think it's almost time. What was that? Ah, oh, boy. Here we go. Is oh, it a bomb? It's time <laughs> for Dave and Monty's Might Icebreaker. Well be. Oh, oh. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Bank of Whoa, the- wait, 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 wait. <laughs> it should be like this, Monty. <laughs> Do that again. 
This is Halloween this month. <laughs> wow. Wow, that was loud. <laughs> that was what? really loud. <laughs> what? I can't hear you. I can't Dave. hear anything now. <laughs> Hello? Oh, my goodness. Uh, Bank of America reported Alberto, and I don't have the heart to say his last name, so we'll just call him Alberto. To the Arizona authorities in 2016, they suspected Lopez. I just said his last name. <laughs> wow. I just remembered okay. the bus. Oh, boy. Oh, no. Uh, that deserves this. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, Alberto Lopez, you did the crime, so here we go. Uh, they suspected uh, Alberto, then an employee of a local branch, they suspected he had stolen $5,000 from the bank over the course of three months. Mr. Lopez promptly quit his job and moved to Phoenix because he was thinking that maybe they caught on. Well, in early this year, 2018, Mr. Lopez applied for a job as a dispatcher for the Cottonwood Police Department, despite the fact that he was still a fugitive. The police thought the easiest Go! way to we, yeah, the easiest way to catch Mr. Lopez was to schedule an interview. When he arrived at the station, he was promptly arrested. So you steal from a bank, you abscond with the money, and then you go apply for a position with a law enforcement agency. That's you could, real you swift. You see me on Radio Land. I'm shaking my head <laughs> in dismay and <laughs> disbelief. Um. Salvadori is his middle name. So I might as well just throw his whole name under the bus. Alberto Salvadori Lopez. Yeah. So Mr. Lopez, uh, not too not too smart. Either one of those things there. Well, here's number two. We only have two today, Dave. In Leicester, Massachusetts, a shoplifter tried to block a security camera at a local retailer. Guess what he tried to use, Dave? Take a giant guess. <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, you don't know. Of course you don't know. Well, I, I'm going to tell you. Take a wild guess. But okay. His underwear? No. That may have been smarter. I'm not sure, though. It may not have been. He used Play-Doh. He used Play-Doh. Okay. Well, the thief then fled the scene, leaving the Play-Doh behind. With his fingerprints. That's right. right. <laughs> Uh, oh. he, he did leave his fingerprints, fingerprints in the clay, which police used to identify him. The Leicester Police Department was apparently very amused by the incident and posted the story on their Facebook page. <laughs> the Play-Doh Bandit. Whatever happened to creative law-breaking, Dave? I, I guess it went out the window when you and I got sober. I did so. <laughs> I was just thinking the same thing. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. All right, so that does it for our little uh, icebreaker there for this episode. Okie dokie. So we'll be back with the topic complacency right after this. Don't go away. Lifeline Connections, providing a safe, confidential, and comfortable place for hope, 
help, and healing in the Pacific Northwest. When I started receiving services at Lifeline Connections just over six years ago, I was so broken. I was homeless, I had a mental illness, and a, a substance use disorder. By being able to treat my mental illness first, I was able to gain the tools that I needed to overcome my mental illness and to treat my addiction. Lifeline Connections has given me the hope and the healing that I needed to get my life back in order. Today, I am proud to say that I'm a success. To speak with an addiction specialist, call 360-397-8246 or visit lifelineconnections.org. Welcome back to Entitled to Overcome, Solutions for Life Today. Today, uh, the topic on this episode is complacency. And it's kind of what happened to us, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. The last bit, couple maybe. of months. Um, Does that fall into the category? I don't know. Maybe busyness. Maybe complaisiness. Sounds like an excuse. Complaisiness. We got complaisy. Merriam-Webster's definition of complacency is very interesting. There's two here. Um, One is self-satisfaction, especially when accompanied by unawareness of actual dangers (laughs) or deficiencies. Danger, Wilbur Robinson, danger. Did you see that Netflix, the Netflix thing on Lost in Space? Oh, the the new series. The new one? Yeah. yeah, I watched the old series uh, yesterday. I was watching oh, did some you? Of the old episodes. Yeah. What a hoot that old series! Doctor <clears throat> Smith was he's my man, man. That guy is just creepy. Um, number two, that was a rabbit trail. We're back now. Squirrel. Number two uh, definition of complacency: an instance of usually unaware or uninformed self satisfaction. So it's kind of the same thing. Okay. But but I just thought that was an interesting because I, I'm thinking the thing unaware that in, of self satisfaction unaware or uninformed self satisfaction. In other words, what what came to my mind is when I got so complacent at some point in in my recovery program very early on when I thought I got this right and I felt self satisfied so self satisfied and competent that I had this thing, that I became unaware of some of the dangers that were surrounding me. I, I, I didn't see the red flags um, of relapse. They just weren't something I was noticing because I was so stuck on, I got this, I don't need your help. I've read the steps on the wall, therefore I've done them, I'm fine. I guess that uh, being the, the other side of that, well, unaware, uninformed, would be let's say you get busy, right? Yeah, and it's like, well, I'm going to be late for this meeting. I guess I'll just skip it, and then oh. go about your business, right? Right. And then that, well, I, I was okay, so you know, it, maybe the next, the next day, the same thing happens. It'll be easier, or the next week, right? Same thing happens. You know, oh, they they want me to stay overtime at work. You know, I'm not going to make my meeting today. I, I'm I've been okay. I, don't, I guess I'm right. okay. I, don't I was okay to, I don't for two go. weeks without going to a meeting. Yeah, I'm okay. And, and I'll go back. I'll go back. I just, right now, I'm busy. Yeah, you're right. And that, that probably is... sneaky one. That, yeah, I was going to say, that's probably harder to spot than the than the kind of the obvious, I got this. We, when we're, we're, in fact, 
when I was in treatment, one of the things we do, of course, is relapse signs and recovery signs, right? So on my list of relapse signs at the very top, which my counselor helped me to realize, was getting busy doing good things. Mm-hmm. So I would become overly busy doing stuff that was good normally. I mean, each individual project or job was good, but I was doing so much of it that my program ended up being at the bottom of the pile. And I was using my work as my program. And I was saying to myself, as long as I stay busy, all will be well. And it didn't turn out well because I burned out. It's interesting uh, we watched a video this morning. Um, if I can remember what it was called, no, I wrote it down on my other piece of paper. I don't have it. It's uh, something to the effect of um, how your thoughts can, you know, how to change your thoughts to keep them from controlling you. Mm. So when you're talking, I was just thinking about this. It's like one of the one of the things that questions to ask yourself. It's like, where will these thoughts lead me, right? So if I'm thinking about, you know, being complacent or if I'm okay, like that example I gave me, yeah. I missed, I'm okay. Uh, I haven't, you know, I've been okay for a couple of weeks. I've been good. So <laughs> if I process that through the, you know, something like that, you know, where will those thoughts lead me? Um, yeah, it was like, uh, who was it? Uh, I'll have to give a shout out here. Uh, Charles Stanley. Oh yeah. So I just went into YouTube and typed in control and it, it if you want to go watch this, it's about fifty three minutes. Uh it was an awesome I got like a whole page of notes on uh on his on his sermon. So if you're interested, it is very good. Charles Stanley, control. Charles Stanley. Hmm. Andy yeah. Stanley's dad. I and, Andy Stanley's the one that, that, that made that statement. Um in light of my Past experiences, my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing to do? Now, what's fair? Now, what's right? Certainly not what's legal or art. What's wise? Andy Stanley. It's on my desk. On whose perspective? It's on my desk. Per per, per whose that, perspective? That, that would be on a, from a biblical perspective. Okay. Yeah. So... Girl. So complacency can come really without us even realizing it, right? I think that's the whole point. That's the whole point. So we need to be ultra aware of the possibility of falling into that. And I think anybody can fall into complacency. It doesn't matter what you're doing in life, whether it's your job, your relationship with your spouse, or your recovery. I think... One of the things that keeps me from going down that avenue mm-hmm. is reading um, a meditation. So whether it's, you know, just for today or it's, you know, uh, right. the man within or whatever, touchstones, any, you know, if whatever I'm reading will usually keep me on track. Or will remind me, hey, you're being complacent today. You try to do that every day? I try to do that every day, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I don't do it in the same time every day. Sometimes I I forget. Right. And, but 
the way my life is now, I've I changed what I do. So the you know most of the you know the movies that I watch feed me healthy things in my spirit. Uh, to be honest, not not all of them are probably healthy, but uh, music, um, and other programs I listen to on the radio. You know, mm-hmm. um, I usually or if when I'm driving, I'll do like a the Daily Ideal Bible is, a, is an app that I use mm. that I really like. It 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 goes through a different version of the Bible every I don't know I forget week or two. Um, they just do a rotation. So it's like a one year Bible reading. Right. Um, it's kind of cool anyway. Um, so with all those things, I usually will get, if I get off track, I'll have a reminder somewhere along the way. Right. Uh, to get me, to get me back on track. Now, you know, I work in the field, so, um, I tend to surround myself with, you know, reminders, Yeah, right. Constant (laughs) reminders. Um, So, uh, but sometimes I can get complacent and and not, not always, uh, you know, work on my own program. Right. That's why I have to stay diligent and process like how my day's going, what I'm, what I'm doing, my interactions other, you know, the old, the old step 10 inventory. I don't always write, write it out, but uh, I Doing mental notes, yeah, um, yeah. Oftentimes, sometimes I'll write stuff down, or I'll do uh, I'll, if something like catches my uh, mental note, I'll do some research, or I'll do a study or something on it. Yeah, you know, um, there there was a point in my recovery where some things were going sideways, and I couldn't really pinpoint it. And my attitude was getting kind of weird. Uh, the way I was carrying myself, things like that. And my sponsor asked me, he said, I want to sit down with you. I want to ask you a question. I said, go ahead, uh, uh, brother. He, he said, what were you doing before this happened that you're not doing now? You know, and it, it really didn't take a whole lot of thought. There were some things that, that, that I wasn't doing. I, I wasn't reading cause I, I too, I, I like to read, the um, 24 hour a day book, the little black book. Yep. Um, I would read that religiously every single morning. I had stopped doing that. My prayer life, uh, in fact, I got to tell you, my prayer life is what started to suffer first. I started getting busy. And so my prayer life consisted of driving to work, going, God, protect me while I'm driving, give me traveling mercies from point A to point B. Amen. And that, or grace over dinner. And that's pretty much what my prayer life was. And it, so I had stopped doing that on a regular basis. I had stopped reading my literature that was helping me so much. And as I looked at it, I'd actually stopped going to as many meetings because I'd gotten busy. Um, I hadn't been calling my sponsor nearly as much, you know. And this was pretty early. This was the first three years of my sobriety. And so I started naming these things off. You go, okay, so what needs, what kind of reset button are we setting here? Are we going to start doing that again? What are we going to do? And that was the answer. I needed to hit the reset button and go back to when things were going well and do those things. And I think a lot of times we know what to do, 
But like you said, the busyness of life gets in the way and it'll sneak in. And even the enemy of our soul will give an applause to it. Go, he's getting too busy. In fact, if I can't get him to sin, I'll get him to get too busy. And that's exactly what had been happening with me. And I know people today. I know people that are listening to this show because I got a few emails that said, "Uh uh-oh, you're meddling now. This is me. Complacency is me. And so they're listening today. Take heed. What were you doing before that you're not doing now? That might be a good question to ask. Well, you know, and I've had some – I, you know, I always talk about God working in all things. Sometimes we see it. Sometimes it's subtle. Yeah. Um, One of the things that gets us distracted oftentimes is, you know – one of our favorite things is being on Facebook, right? Because sure. one, we're trying to get out there and we're trying to, you know, spread the good news. We're trying, you know, trying to uh, share the the message from Tig Twelve Radio. Uh, but also, we sometimes we get caught up in all the other nonsense that's going on in life. Well, the thing that I like about uh, one of the things I like about Facebook is it will pop up you know, things from the past. Oh yeah. Two years ago. And then it'll at the bottom, if you look in small little prints, it'll say, see more memories. Mm. And so you click on there and, and, and so I like whatever that pops up. I like going in there and seeing what else I was doing right last year, two years ago, you know, five years ago, whatever. Um, and you know, I can sit there and I can see, um, where I was at at different points in my life. What was I posting? What was I, you know, what was I thinking about? What was I sharing with yeah. people? Um, and that is sometimes a good reminder of I need to get back on track or, you know, um, Maybe I'm, I need I'm, to doing, call the, I'm doing the right thing or, yeah. oh, yeah, you know. Um, I did get a, uh, I don't know if I shared this with you, but, you know, there's a there's a person in my that was in my, my life uh, that I went to high school with that they've come into my mind uh, now and again and, you know, going to reunions and things like that. People always ask, well, hey, you know, have you seen so-and-so? And, you know, do you know? Um, so this person has been, you know, I've always kind of wondered what had happened to this person. Um, got a line here and there, tried to reach out, got nothing. Well, <laughs> Friday, or no, it must have been Thursday. Yeah, Thursday. Um. They typed a response into one of my comments that I had on Facebook, and I was just like, "Whoa, where'd they, where'd that come from? Where'd that come from?" <laughs> um, so I I uh, I sent them a private message, and, and it turns out they're they're in recovery now. They've got a, they've got a few months and under their belt. Uh, and, and they're, they're, they're working on the program. I thought this, this is great. I mean, what a blessing, um, for my, you know, my spiritual birthday. Right. I get, you know, reconnected with, you know, this person. Which uh, by the way, you just celebrated how many years? 14. 14 years. Yeah. Ooh, cowbell. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, I mean, I, I always, you know, I try not to always think about that, but. Because it still blows me away. I can't even, you know, I can't I know. Even believe I got one year. Um, but it, uh, you know, because I always try to filter it through. You know, I have, you know, fourteen years of one day at a time because I try to sure process everything through today. 
the twenty four hours. Staying thing. present yeah. in today, you know, not getting too far into you know tomorrow or next next week or what happened ten years ago. Right, morbid reflection. Yeah, <laughs> it. Uh, well, some of it wasn't so morbid. Some of it was pretty good. Some of it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so it, it was just a blessing to be able to to hear uh, this person is on track and and they're doing well. So it was uh, was quite blessed. So you talked about reading uh, like morning devotions or just for today, or mm-hmm. I mean, we we have our recovery fellowships have tons of literature that's really good, really wonderful stuff. Um. And we really ought to take, if, if folks, if you're if if you're in a twelve step fellowship or a recovery fellowship of, of some kind, and they've got literature available for you, you you really shouldn't cheat yourself. You should get a hold of some of that stuff. Um, some of it is is just really really useful. And uh, you pulled something out of um, the Just for Today book, which is uh, conference approved Narcotics Anonymous literature. True. There it is. He reaches over. I don't try to. I don't get myself involved with that whole conference approved. Well, I'm just saying. If it has a recovery message, it's okay. I'm just saying for the NA Nazis out there, so they won't uh, write me hate letters. I don't really hear about that in NA as much as I hear about it in AA. Is that conference approved literature? Yeah, I, yeah. I, that's yeah. been my experience go, too. Go sit down. <laughs> yeah, go sit down. And just listen. All right, go ahead. Give it to us, everybody. Uh, so this, the title of this is Up or Down. So this is our road to spiritual growth. Uh, we change every day. This growth is not the result of wishing, but of action and prayer. Basic text, page 37. Uh, spiritual condition is never static. If it's not growing, it's decaying. If we stand still, our spiritual progress will lose its upward momentum. Gradually, our growth will slow, then halt, then reverse itself. Yeah, I've had that happen. Mm-hmm. Our tolerance will wear thin. Mm-hmm. Our willingness to serve others will wane. Our minds will narrow and close. Before long, we'll be right back where we started, in conflict with everyone and everything around us, unable to bear even ourselves. Well, you were a witness to I was kind of going through that a little bit of that a few months ago. Sure. It was just everything was irritating me. Yeah. Uh, our only option is to actively participate in our own, in our program of spiritual growth. We pray, seek knowledge greater than ourselves from a power greater than ourselves. We open our minds and keep them open, become teachable and take, taking advantage of what others have to share with us. We demonstrate our willingness to try new ideas and new ways of doing things, experiencing life in a whole new way. Our spiritual progress picks up speed and momentum Driven by the higher power, we are coming to understand better each day. Up or down, it's one or the other, with very little in between. Where spiritual growth is concerned, recovery is not fueled by wishing and dreaming, we've discovered, but by prayer and action. Just for today, uh, the only constant in spiritual condition is change. I cannot rely on yesterday's program today. Seek new spiritual growth through prayer and action. So, so complacency is kind of like walking up a down escalator. You're very busy moving, but you're not going anywhere. Right. Well, I think, you know, this, this, uh, you know, uh, our, our recovery is based on our daily spiritual condition, right? Yes. 
Absolutely. So if we're not working on that, yeah, which includes, for me anyway, mm-hmm. uh, it's reading and uh, doing service work and meetings and whatever else is whatever's in your going toolkit. Going out and helping someone else, you know, it doesn't even have to be someone in recovery. Just right. going out and helping someone else—that's that's part of that. Uh, trying to improve, uh, prove myself. Uh, every day that's part of that spiritual condition so if i'm not doing those things then i'm being complacent you know it's interesting because uh because i was asked this i will ask this of people that fall into the same category i once was in i once uh got to the place in my life in my in my personal faith where i was i wasn't going to church anymore so i was I was not fellowshipping with the people that believed the way I did spiritually. I had separated myself because I'd gotten too busy. And um, I was making statements, Dave, like, well, I can do this at home. I mean, I could, if, if I want to hear a good message, I can turn on the TV and watch somebody like Charles Stanley, for instance. Or, um, you know, I can, I can pray with my spouse at home. I can read literature at home i can do all these things at home why am i getting in my car driving all the way across town when i really don't have time and and spending time with with people when i can do all this at home and what was asked of me was but do you well yeah and what i mean what are you doing well the fact fact is i wasn't doing it at home (laughs) you know are you are you watching the thing, are you praying with your wife? Are you doing all these things you say you can do at home and you don't have to be? But are you doing those? And and the answer was no, I wasn't. Well, regardless, we're you know we're spirit, we're uh, social beings. Yes. So we have to interact with other people. We do. That's how. And we're built. nothing so ensures our recovery, but intensive work with others. Right. That's right. So, I mean, the instruction manual says we have to work with others. Yeah. That means. Not alone at home. So if well, if you're if you're saying, well, I don't need to go to meetings anymore. Um, I've been sober for 15, 20 years, um, and I can read stuff out of the Big Book or the NA Basic Text or my Bible at home. I could call people up and talk to them and fellowship with them from my house. I can just. Uh, but are you? Are you just saying well, that's what you can think do? about it? You, what you said. Yeah. I don't need to. I don't need to. So why okay, would you? I don't need to either. I have to. I get to. Yeah. Because if I don't do it, then I stand a very great chance of falling back into where I was before. And everybody I've ever sponsored, any person I've ever sponsored who starts pulling back to that drastic of a thing where they vanish, right? I tell you, Dave, I've never seen the outcome be good. I've never seen it be good. No, I mean, if if someone's really working a program, they may disappear for a while, but they will come back. Yeah, and go, you know, right now. And I can really know that I, you know, I can really tell that I needed a meeting, and I wasn't sure how you know important these meetings really were until I wasn't here for a couple weeks. Or a month or I would never have heard about sponsorship or mentorship or spiritual advisors, other than the fact that I went to a meeting and heard it. I would never have heard it, heard the steps unless I had been to that meeting. 
Um, I certainly wouldn't have had the the wonderful experience of drinking the worst coffee ever. <laughs> not going to that meeting, but I wouldn't have made. Did you a, make it? <laughs> yeah, sometimes I wouldn't have made the host of friends that I made. I wouldn't have met people that had been where I'd been that could truly make me accountable and call me on my baloney if I hadn't have been there. Uh, there was so much that that I gained from that, and. In the past, when I when I have pulled back for whatever reason, I I, I miss it. I feel it, and I miss it, and it help, And I'm glad I do because it helps me to get back on the rails again. Right? Uh, yeah, because if you never experienced any of that, you wouldn't know what you were missing. I w- you know that's why a lot of people don't. You know they don't engage properly. Right. And so if they you know they they miss, they don't go to meetings. They you know whatever. They don't do. They don't do work the steps. They don't get a sponsor. Whatever part they're not doing, they don't know what they're missing because they they've never experienced it. Right, right. I mean, I, you know, you know my or most of my story anyway. But you know, meaning I went to meetings every day for almost two years straight because mm-hmm. I wanted to take the full. You know, I wanted to find out everything that was out there. Right. I wanted to. Exp- you know, part of that was, you know, scared too. You know, it's like, I don't know how I have a life without some kind of chemicals in my system. And <laughs> I want to, I, you know, the, the only thing you have to change is everything. So I got to like not isolate, you know. Right. And so not isolating would be going to a meeting every day. So part of it was out, out of being compliant. Yeah. Uh, to my commitment, but also it was like. Well, I'm afraid to be up by myself because, you know, left to my own devices, uh, it's a pretty scary thing sometimes. Ouch. And the other thing is, too, if, if we've been given this wonderful gift of, of sobriety and continued recovery and this new life, why wouldn't we want to help another person up right. from the ditch? You know, and, and where are you going to find those folks? Many times, can you find them outside of the meeting? Sure you can, but I guarantee you, you will find them there. And, and, you know, I, I remember my buddy Bruce used to be a co-host on our show here uh, years ago. Uh, not what, About a year and a half ago, he passed away. But he, he would say to me, he says, Monty, I'm going there to see where I can be a maximum service to God and the people he puts in my life. Right. And that's part of the maintenance of my spiritual condition. And as a result of that, I get to stay sober. And I and I don't miss out on this wonderful thing that I say is the most wonderful thing that's ever happened to me. Why wouldn't I want to share it? Right. It, it's I I share this with anybody who'll listen. To, you know, we talk about the complacency. So you people, you know, they get all fired up, get in recovery, and they're going to meetings, and they get the sponsor, and they're you know they're doing all the doing all the stuff, right? Working the steps. Uh, and then, you know, life, life comes into play. Yeah. You know, work. And they promotion. get a job. Yeah. yeah. Work and promotions and kids and, and whatever. Um, and then that's where sometimes complacency comes into there. And I was, I always filter this through, you know, if I'm doing something that's working for me, why would I stop? Mm-hmm. And it helps me to remember if things start going south, then I got to go back to doing what was working. Right, right. Because if it's working, why would you stop doing it? Why would you change things? It's like, to me, yeah. it doesn't make any sense. Right. But we do it. Uh, I know guys that 
that have been on a certain medication and their life changed. It was wonderful. They found that the sweet spot with, between their general practitioner and maybe their, their uh, nurse practitioner, psychiatrist or whatever, and they found the medication that worked. And it worked for year after year. And then they said, I don't need it anymore. So they stopped taking it. And then their world came crumbling down. Now, why would you stop taking your medication that was working? It, it's The reason that you're doing well is because it's working. Why would you stop? And so we do kind of the same thing. Well, we go back you know. to leaning on our own understanding. Right. And then and we start listening to other people that we shouldn't be listening to. Right. Um, sometimes, and they give us bad information. People that think they're doctors. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I mean, sometimes you know, I hate to say this, but sometimes Christians are can be their own worst enemies. It's you like, bet. Well, no, God's going to heal me. I don't need to take this. That's the spiritual bypassing well, again. Again, we granted, you know, there's good doctors and bad doctors, sure. and good medications and bad medications, whatever supplements, whatever. You know, the thing is, is that God made a opportunity for people to go to school to become doctors. Right. 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 To help people. Right. Because there's this chemical imbalance and, you know, we can go all kinds of down rabbit trails, but my belief is that God will help us get to where we need to be. Uh, and sometimes we have to go that route with the medication. Yeah. You know, and some people argue, well, if we just pray harder, if we just, you know, Great, but not everybody falls into that. Not everybody can go that route because if their mental health is off, right. they can't process things properly. So sometimes the medication can help people put a Band-Aid on things to get to where they need to be to, yeah. and eventually maybe get off medication or maybe not. Maybe they've done enough damage and it's it may be a physical damage or sure. you know, things that we, we've done to ourselves or, you know, accidents that we've been in and head injuries and all kinds of things come into play that don't necessarily always filter things through. We always, it's like, well, you know, you know, this is God's come and changed my life. So I don't need any of that. You know, I had a good example. uh, I probably shared this with you before, but we had something in one of our programs one time that uh, went to this, ministry and was prayed over and then all of a sudden they decided that they didn't that that you know the demons were cast out and they don't need to take medication anymore Mm. it's schizophrenia um and so pretty quickly you know after the medications got out of their system after a couple weeks yeah uh they resorted back to uh to the same old behaviors because of the the symptoms returned from schizophrenia started hallucinating, started hearing things, mm. started threatening people's lives and just, you know, and it's, in, and sometimes people don't know how, you know, I, I work with some people that were trained, but they're also Christians and they're like, what do we do? I'm like, you take them down to the hospital and right. get them evaluated. Right. You don't sit there and pray over right. them because right now the immediate thing is, is that their mental health, you know, they're endangering other people Yeah, and they need to get they need to get back on their medication um, because they were functioning and they were doing well and they were progressing. Um, and so that eventually that's what they ended up doing. But, you know, I, I, I couldn't imagine how, what it was like for this person to go through that period of time of, of that roller coaster mm-hmm. of this 
you know, people telling you, well, you know, you sh- you don't need to take that medication anymore. Just pray harder because Just, yeah, we, you know, and it's like we're we we can't. I mean, God could do miracles. Trust me, I've done them in my life. Um, but I, I took antidepressants for a period of time to get me over the hump when I first stopped drinking. I, I had to do that drinking too. a gallon plus right every day. Your yo-yo boy. I mean, so yeah, I'm like, you need some yeah, help. I yeah. need a little bit of, you know, and eventually, you know, after a few months, uh, I got off of them, but mm-hmm. you know, it's like, Hey, you know, my, my grandmother passed away, um, as a result of cancer that could have been, uh, could have been treated and possibly, you know, put in remission. She was in a car accident. And that's how they discovered it. And mm-hmm. she refused treatment. Mm-hmm. She just believed that God was going to heal her. Mm-hmm. Well, later on, it, she, you know, after she passed on, I just had this, I felt like she was teaching me something from this experience. And it was like, you know, um, we we make choices, right? Because I talk about this, you know, we have free will and we make choices. We have, we have a choice and right. do what we're going to do or not. And uh, it was kind of like that story about the guy you know, in the flood that's on the house, right? You've right, heard the story right. before. Yeah, yeah. You know, somebody three comes boat, by in a boat. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, no, God's going to save me. And then, you, you know, he dies and he's like, well, God, why didn't you save me? He's like, well, I sent you all this, you know. All this stuff, yeah. And, and you, you, you know, and you didn't want any help. So, and I think my, my grandmother went through the same circumstances. Like God said, here, here's some help. And she refused. And those were the, the consequences uh, unfortunately, because I believe that she could have been uh, healed or put in remission or, you know, depending on, I don't know. That's what they say. They, they go to caught it or, you know, they, they caught it early enough, but it's, it was a, it was a good lesson. You know, I was, I was angry at first when it first happened, but, uh, and I realized, uh, God showed me some things. This was even in my, this was in my addiction too. And I was able to see this, um, but it's one of those things that we we uh you know we can't we can't push away anything. No. I mean, we have to be our own advocates and we have to do the research and we have to make sure that you know it's the right thing. Especially today. Especially today we have to be our own advocates. Yeah. Yeah, but it we we got to be careful cuz we can't just say, "Well, okay, they're going to we see a commercial on TV and now I want that drug." It's like, "No." You got to do the investigation. You, you should do, do yeah. the research and yeah. find out about it. What are the side effects? What are you know? Mm-hmm. Because it's your life. The doctor's not gonna. I mean, more often than not, the doctor's just gonna. You're just assembly line. You know, every once in a while you get a good doctor, but you got to be your own advocate. I mean, I had to do that myself. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, I could be complacent in that too, and just say, well, okay, you know, I'll I'll do what you tell me, even though I know it's wrong. So so. Sometimes a miracle show doesn't show up as some sort of mystical weirdness. Sometimes it shows up with a, with a PhD at the end of the name or an MD at the end of the name. Sometimes the miracle happens just showing up to a meeting and sharing your story. Yeah. And that's another thing. If you've backed off from that, especially if you've been backed off for a long time, you may be missing some pretty powerful, uh, you know, hour, hours to hours and a half. So pretty powerful stuff that you may either touch your life in a powerful way that you may not need that day, but you may be able to call on later or something that you can impart to somebody else that really needs it. 
and, and you've heard it come from somewhere else. And I mean, you don't know when it's going to happen. You, you know, don't. I've, I've had, I've had many times that you know, uh, I'm lucky enough to hear some of the results, but other times not. But sometimes in the middle, like <clears throat> there's one one kid that I that I really always remember. This is. It's really uh, – it's kind of blew me away, and it kind of made the whole process of what I went through, the addiction and all the crap that I lived and the recovery, made it, made it all worth it. It's like this is why I'm doing this. It's like it, – and it all started from a meeting, a gratitude meeting – excuse me – a gratitude meeting we had on Thanksgiving. Um, <clears throat> and there was probably – you know, we we just did, did a big circle. There was probably, I want to say – 40 to 50 people there that night. And <clears throat> this one guy, I remember going around and he passed. He didn't want to talk. But after the meeting, he came up to me and I was standing with a couple of people and he said, you know, he said, uh, what you what you guys shared really impacted my life. You know, to tell you the truth, I wasn't planning on coming to this meeting. I was planning on killing myself. You know, and and for some reason wow. I turned left and ended up at this meeting. And after hearing, you know, you guys talk, um, now I have some hope and I don't want to kill myself. That's powerful stuff. Right? And That's it just it just totally, I'm getting getting chills now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just totally blew me away. I'm like, it's the first time I ever, like, realized how powerful sharing what you're grateful for can actually do, what impact. And so <clears throat> I handed the guy... Um, I remember handing the guy one of my business cards and, <clears throat> and then he went off and I didn't see him for a while. About mm. six months later, I get a phone call and it's this guy. And he says, I don't know why I'm calling you, but I found your card in my wallet. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. And so I said, you're calling me because you're supposed to. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and he told me, his, you know, he was having relationship issues and his, his girlfriend was kicking him out and he didn't have any place to go and he wanted to get some help. And, um, he had, he had a, a line on, uh, uh, possibly on a place. And I gave him a, I gave him a, a line on a, this church, uh, that was nearby that the guys come to our meeting. <clears throat> and, uh, he says, I just, you know, I need to make a call and I don't have, I don't even have a phone or nothing. So I said, okay, I'll, <clears throat> I said, I, I got one you can borrow. I'll, I'll be over in a few minutes. So I, so I grabbed my I grabbed my daughter's phone, a little flip phone, and I zipped over there. And when I pulled it up to the house, I looked at the phone and I realized there was only one bar left. It was The phone wasn't oh, charged. No. And yeah. I was like, well, I said, you probably got enough juice to make one phone call. Wow. Uh, or two, yeah. you know. And so I said, uh, just bring it to the, the meeting when you come. So the next day he called uh, called this place up and was able to get a get a bed. Uh, and then the phone died. Wow. <laughs> wow. And he showed up to the meeting and he gave me the phone back, which, you know, uh, I didn't even think about it, whether or not he was going to give it back or not. I just thought, this is... This is God, you know, this is, I'm supposed to do this. This is all pieces of the puzzle that were supposed to be put together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then 
I don't know. The guy was sober for a while, and he disappeared again. I don't know what happened to him. Yeah. But it but was— What if you had chosen not to go to that meeting that one day? Well, I was in, I was in charge of it, so— but but people do that all the time. They don't show up with the right, key, right, you know. Right. I mean, it, it could have gone totally different, you know. And I so I think, I think it's important for people <clears throat> to understand. And I don't want to put anybody on a guilt trip, but if 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 you've been granted with your cooperation with God this gift of sobriety and this new life, and you've had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, et cetera, et cetera, you really have a responsibility. To carry the message in one way or another, right? It, it it's your it's your responsibility. It's part of how your gratitude speaks. And if you're not doing that, how selfish is that? You know, you you mentioned something about what if you didn't go to that meeting? You know, it reminds me of this uh, <clears throat> of another time that we we had this small little meeting. There's usually only three or four of us show up, mm-hmm. and uh, I showed up because it was my turn to lead the group, and no one showed up. Mm-hmm. Right, so I mean, I made coffee, and I'm, you know, I'm, right. I I waited around, and about twenty after, uh, I went downstairs and I took the sign off the door. And as I was taking the sign off the door, some lady walks by, and she says, "Is this where the meeting is?" And I said, "I said you're in luck. I was just about to leave, but you know, come on in. Let's right." So we just the two of us just you know we had a kind of impromptu yeah you know informal meeting, and then we just sat there and talked. And she had talked about how she was struggling trying to find a place to go to treatment because <clears throat> she wanted to go to a faith-based treatment center. Uh-huh. And she looked all over the internet and she looked all over, she found, you know, she mentioned Teen Challenge because she's like, oh, I'm not a teen. So, and I said, you know what? I says, I work there. It's not for teens. It's not just for <laughs> teens. Right. There's right. more adults there than anything else. And the teens are separate. Um, so I said, let me help you, you know, get get in there for uh, an assessment and right. then go from there. And wow. Like two weeks later, she was in treatment and this was, I don't know, a couple of years ago. She still goes to that meeting and we still talk about that, that, uh, that time she That's showed great. up, you know, and it's. She probably it's got more show. out of that meeting, just you and her. Right. Then maybe some well, meetings where there was 25, 30 people. Like, who knows? Right. Some of those. One-on-one things, or maybe three or four people only things, can be extremely powerful. Well, it's it's totally a totally a God thing, I believe. Yeah, you know, because if it would have been, you know, if I would have left at ten after, right, ten minutes, no one showed up. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm out of here. But I'm like, no, <clears throat> I'm just gonna read my book and have some coffee, and you know, see what happens. Because that's part of our deal as a trusted servant is we're supposed to show up even if no one else is there because that one day right when somebody will show up that needs to be there for that you know what the, what happened and <clears throat> so we are almost out of time can i read this yes, just sir. for today yeah, okay yeah. um this comes out of the just for today book uh december 16th um it is entitled where there's smoke and it says complacency is the enemy of members with substantial clean time. If we remain complacent for long, the recovery process ceases. Uh, That's from Basic Text, page 80. Recognizing complacency in our recovery is like seeing smoke in a room. It's page 84. It is? Mine says page 80. Hmm, must be a different printing. I'm looking at it. 
Okay, 84 or 80. Uh, recognizing advices in, the, in recovery is like seeing smoke in a room. The smoke thickens when our meeting attendance drops. Contact with newcomers decreases. Our relations with our sponsor aren't maintained. With continued complacency, we won't be able to see through the smoke to find our way out. Only our immediate response will prevent an inferno. We must learn to recognize the smoke of complacency. In NA, we have all the help we need to do that. We need to spend time with other recovering addicts because they may detect our complacency before we do. Newcomers will remind us of how painful active addiction can be. Our sponsor will help us remain focused, and recovery literature kept in easy reach can be used to extinguish the small flare-ups that happen from time to time. Regular participation in our recovery will surely enable us to see that wisp of smoke long before it becomes a major inferno. Just for today, I will participate in the full range of my recovery. My commitment to NA is just as strong today as it was in the beginning of my recovery. And you can fill in AA, you can fill in CR, you can fill in whatever fellowship you're involved in. But this speaks to staying connected Staying connected, and I like what it says. I will participate in the full range of my recovery, and so whatever that is for you. And everybody's a little different, right, Dave? I mean, we all have these different basic tools in our toolbox, and then some of us have fancy ratchets, some of us have <laughs> bigger toolboxes, some of us have smaller ones. But you have a toolbox, use the tools, use the tools. And uh, because I know if and you keep don't it, keep it simple and keep it, yeah, keep it simple. I, I know if, if you don't use something long enough, you forget how to use it. That's a great analogy. That's why I, I, I what I tell guys, I said, it's like uh, playing sports yeah, or an instrument, right? Yeah. You have to keep practicing. You have to keep practicing. Yeah, you bet. And it can be. Feel like drudgery. I mean, my son, he's he's a music major and he has to practice and practice and he has to learn a ton of different instruments because he's going to be a music professor at college level. So he is constantly and he'll he'll look at me and go, Ugh, you know, but he gets back in there and he keeps doing it uh, to hone your craft. And for us, our crafts, our recovery program, if we're going to do this thing and actually give it away and be effective for other people that God puts in our life. So good show, my brother. As always. Our closing song for this episode is by James Alker, and it is in it is in called it is in it is entitled <laughs> It is entitled A Call to Arms. And you're gonna enjoy this. And beggars and bombs and thieves Come gather round for your daily reprieve All of us here are soaked in sin Brothers and sisters, I call you my kin Sang with the band as we shipped out to sea We toasted the captain while sunk to our knees 
with his song, A Call to Arms. Well, until our next broadcast, this is the Monty Man along with Dave Fleming, and we're wishing God's perfect serenity for each and every one of you, reminding you all that because of God's grace, you are entitled to overcome. This has been a broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting.